and you play irritation so beautifully well. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not much playing going on. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's all acting. It's all acting. What did you like about playing Taffy? What appealed to you about his? Uh, the money. <laughs> um, what did I like about playing Taffy? It was fun. It was mm. just fun. And it was, you know, there's not a great deal of science behind it. You just turn up, you put on the uniform, you say the words in a funny accent and go away. And, and let, along the way you have some great fun. Mm. And because of the celebrity of the programme, uh, you got to meet some interesting people. I remember doing a, a, a public appearance with uh, Eddie the Eagle Edwards. Wow! <laughs> I can't remember why, but I just remember uh, uh, doing some, it with some, him. Some tenuous Edwards. Yeah, no, maybe it was. Maybe it was an Edwards convention. <laughs> Who knows? But I, mean, I suppose, I suppose any actor turns the character a little bit towards their own strength. Mm. And so doing discontent uh, I find quite easy. Mm. And he was written fairly discontented and fairly narky some of the time. And Chris particularly wrote some great stuff for him. Uh, and there was one episode oh, where I was chasing a madman around London. Yes. And he jumped off a bridge and I had to swim across the canal. That's right. Julian Jones. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And there, there's a, a real Barney with Eric's character, with Cryer. Yeah. That, I think that was near the end of my time, because I think it went downhill from there on in. You, you, you two had some terrific scenes. He, he's, Eric's character seemed to take particular difference to Taffy. Yeah, he didn't like him very much. Yeah. Yeah, he was racist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I, I remember when I first wanted to chat to you, like, I, I, I always felt that... I always felt Taffy was a good copper. You know, he, he, maybe he had a moan, but... Yeah, I thought he was... You see, I thought that he was uh, quite a genuine guy yeah. who got on with his work but had a, a life outside. But somehow that got lost in translation along mm. the way and, and lots of people thought he was a moaning old mm. git... Which I suppose he was on occasion, but it's interesting. You look at you, you look at a character in a particular way, but people receive it mm. in quite a different way, and that happens quite often, both in theatre and in television. Yeah, you know, you go, "This is this is what I'm trying to do," and they go, "I really love that moment when you did that because it meant this to me." Uh, I think well, that's not what I intended to happen. Yeah. Well, the first character you've got two firsts in the bill. Uh, I wonder if they're the same ones that I know of. Okay. Uh, wait. So, shall I tell you what I think? Yes, go on then. I think I was the first character to have a crane shot. Oh, okay. Oh, we've got three first then. Okay. Uh, oh, and I know your crane shot. Your exit. My exit shot. Yeah. yeah. And I was Beautiful the first shot. character to get fired. <laughs> oh, what, uh, uh, of the... I was the first character to, yeah, to get to get written out of the programme. But you, you have two. You're the first character who we... Get any uh, private life, we meet your, your future yeah, wife. Beautiful wife. She gets uh, a lovely talk. I mean, it's very funny because everyone's referring, you, she's referring to you as Francis, so yeah, of course everyone's exactly. teasing her yeah, that's right. about Francis. And you were also the first actor 
uh, to have a nude scene in the bill. Yes, I was. <laughs> You're quite right. Yeah. You're quite right. Yeah. They are my arse on show. <laughs> to anybody who is driving along Westway at the time. <laughs> at the Antelope Pub. <laughs> and as it happens, I support Queen's Park Rangers Football Club, which is just down the road from that pub. So every time I go and watch the, the team play, I have, a, I have the horrors of that. That moment. <laughs> oh God! It's a fun. It's a fun episode. You domestic. May, you may think that. Right. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it much. Oh, we were. Very, you're a very good sport for doing. I mean, it's a very. It's a very. Yeah, I'm fun not end. sure I had any choice. You know, I think right. they just told me it was happening. Right. Okay. I don't think I could say no. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember, and it wasn't a massive problem, but I just, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By choice, I wouldn't want to take off all my clothes in front of everybody. No. Not really. Mm. Although, you know, it's all good knockabout stuff. Was there a moment for you when, I mean, by Series 3 <clears throat> of the bill, it's in the top 10, there's 13, 14 million people regularly tuning in, where is there a moment where suddenly the fame side hit you and you're being recognised? And... Yeah, there was one week where three things happened. <laughs> I was taking my children to the zoo and we couldn't get in because there were so many people who wanted to talk to us. Wow. And then that was early in the week. And then midweek I was shopping on the Harrow Road in a supermarket. Can't remember which one. And this lady came and started talking to me and she started asking me questions about her husband and whether I thought he was okay. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And she went on and on and on saying, do you think after, after it happened he was all right? And I, I really, I have no, no, don't piss me off. You know, tell me, do you think he's okay? And I said, I really don't know what you're talking about. I'm really sorry. And she said, you sound different. Oh. And she thought her husband was a policeman oh. and something had obviously happened to him she uh, and, and she thought I was in his nick wow. because she'd got confused about the real character and the make-believe character Amazing. Uh, and that was odd and then on the Friday or the Thursday or whenever it was uh, Trudy and I were on the front cover of TV Times and I thought oh whoa this is this is this is now a little bit of an intrusion into my life. Yeah. But, no, I mean, again, it's, it's, none of it was problematic. Mm. You know, it was, it, you, I never thought I was, I was famous, famous, famous. Mm. Uh, because I wasn't. Mm. You know, just lots of people knew who uh, recognised my face. Yeah. Uh, because it was on television three times a week or whatever it was. No, but it was never it was never a real imposition. I just remember that week. Yeah, that's thinking it's it's in, it's it's big now. I thought. Mm. Yeah, there were people who wanted to do newspaper articles, and they particularly wanted to. They, there was a thing about the Bill and Young families, and Trudy had a young family, and I had a young family, and they wanted to do stuff about that which was fine but it all just took mm. time mm. but it, you know, it was never problematic 
And was it? I'm presuming it was great news when it, when it did go to the twice weekly, and suddenly you're, you're instead of making twelve a year, you're making forty eight. You know how how did things? Well, it meant that you had a job fifty two weeks of the year. Yeah, that's all it meant. Mm. Because for me, it was never about uh, fame. It was only about fortune. You know, right. That, you yeah. Know, it it was. I loved doing it. Don't get me wrong, but it was never about building a, a reputation as an actor or. Or, or, or being famous. It, celebrity is always something that I've been uh, very wary of because it's uh, it's potentially. I, sp- I suppose two things. It's it's potentially very disruptive to life, uh, but kind of worse than that, it distorts your self-image, and I think that's a really dangerous thing. It's quite a serious thing. Mm to say but if you if you start believing your own publicity bad things happen to a certain extent that's why it stopped for me because I started believing that I was more important than I was and uh, uh, the immediate result of that was that my contract was terminated really I didn't do anything bad Mm. but I just thought I was worth more money than they were paying me right and uh asked for it yeah uh, and they said no and that was that Uh, and and that was a really useful lesson to learn hideous at the time with three young children but uh, uh, it was a really useful lesson to learn because uh, nobody nobody is indispensable Mm. and the program because it's always focused well all television programs are focused around the individual characters Mm. Uh, you get a false, a false sense of how important you are to it. You know, the bill could quite easily have killed all of us off and still survived. And indeed, that's kind of what happened. You know, people left, and they, I think there was a fire at some point, wasn't yeah, it? Did yeah, people they, die. They, they killed off six characters right, in okay, one go. Okay, yeah. and the program went on for another twenty years or whatever it was, ten yeah. years. And I think, I think there's a there's a real. There was. I can't say now whether that's the same in in television nowadays, but there was a real sense that we were important. Mm. We thought we were important. Uh, And I'm glad I learnt then, rather than later, that that wasn't the case. I did invite you back for... uh... And it ended very amicably. I wasn't, you know, I I didn't do anything wrong. No, no. I just had a slightly self-inflated opinion of myself. Mm. (laughs) And uh, whoever the producer at the time was, I can't remember who it was, uh, decided that, you know, there was no point in having me around with that that sense of importance. Mm. But, you know, that's just the way it was. Yeah. And a good lesson to learn at the age of 30... Yeah. whatever I was rather than carrying on feeling really important mm. uh, when I had other things to do and let's talk about those other things to yeah. do because you did continue to act in, in, in television and, and theatre a little bit, bill. not much I did another year or another couple of years I think, mm. I did bits and pieces and some theatre and a bit of television and then I stopped because mm. I needed a proper job and I um, bizarrely, really bizarrely, and coincidentally, uh, started running theatres, uh, and that became a job of about thirty years. 
Yeah. So I ran three different theatres around the country, ending up in uh, Bury St Edmunds, running a very significant piece of uh, British heritage, uh, and having an extraordinary time doing it. I, I was there, for, there in that building for 16 years. I spent five and a half million quid restoring it. Wow. Uh, back to its uh, 19th century glory and discovering uh, a kind of creative reason for the, uh, the length of my stay to be justified because I discovered a whole repertoire of plays that nobody had done in 150 years and started doing them. And that was very exciting, really exciting stuff. Yeah. So, you know, massive blessing in disguise, mm. uh, not uh, a massive blessing in disguise that the reluctant actor actually stopped acting mm. and discovered something else to do. Mm. Uh, still, obviously, within the same industry. And uh, enjoyed that just as much as being in front of a camera doing stuff. Yeah. And being in front of a camera doing stuff is it's fun, it's exciting, uh, it's deceptive, uh, it's not difficult. Mm. Mind you, there are, you know, I look at some of the performances of actors nowadays on television and I think, my God, you're brilliant. Mm. Uh, it wasn't very difficult putting on a uniform and saying, yes, Sarge, a lot. Mm. You know, that, what we did, I don't think required any significant depth of thought. We had to be realistic, we had to be truthful, we had to do all those things that actors have to do, and we had to, you know, wallow about in pig shit and swim across uh, 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 canals and things, <laughs> and uh, just behave ourselves. And we all did that, and it was great, and I would never knock it for a minute. Mm. But what I did subsequently... Uh, was far more f fulfilling mm. than, than being a policeman on the television. Yeah. And I don't want to denigrate being a policeman on the television because I did love it. Yeah. But it, it, for me, what I, what I did subsequently and what I'm doing now at the grand old age of 63 is, yeah, more fulfilling. And am I right you wrote a couple of episodes of The Bill? I did. I did. Uh, they never got made. I did write them. I was commissioned to write them. Uh, one of them, I think, did get made but never got broadcast. Wow. I think. I can't remember. But I was commissioned to write one. I wrote one about the Festival of Eid, which never got made. And then I wrote a very difficult episode, which they... They, they talked about for a long time because it was about I think I can say this it was about uh, Sergeant Penny Roger's character doing things he shouldn't have been doing with Kelly um, oh uh, Kelly Lawrence Kelly Lawrence's character WPC Brind Brind that's it Ooh. he was abusing her in the episode that I wrote and they, they thought about it long and hard and then went, we can't just do this one episode. We'd have to build a storyline into it. Therefore, we're not going to do the whole thing. Wow. So, uh, 
we didn't do it. But it was useful because when I left, Peter commissioned me to write for... What did Peter go on to do after the bill? Peter became head of BBC Drama. Yeah, that's right. So trainer would... It was trainer. It was trainer. Yeah. God, bloody hell. So he introduced me to Jerry Glaster, who was the producer of Trainer, right. and said, this guy can write television, and this guy knows all about horse racing. And there is me and Chris Green, Christopher Green, who were asked to write this series, which was supposed to be the follow-up to Howard's Way. Mm. Oh, God, yes, no, I haven't thought about this for years. <laughs> And we were commissioned to write 12 episodes of this thing. And the brief was, write a hard-hitting northern drama set in the world of horse racing. And Chris and I wrote, I think there were a couple of other writers as well. Yeah, there were. There were some other writers as well. But Chris and I wrote four each, I think. <laughs> we, we delivered them. And we'd read each other's and everybody was very pleased with it. On the writing team and the script editors were delighted with it. And then we were called into Jerry Glaster's office and said, yeah, this isn't what we want. Jerry had produced Colditz, he'd produced uh, Howard's Way. He said, no, this isn't what we want. Can you rewrite? And so we rewrote and gradually the brief changed and we went through five rewrites, five redraftings of the whole thing and eventually it ended up being set in Surrey or somewhere and it was all soft focus and famous people in it <laughs> and it was terrible 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 and I watched it and was just dismayed about how anodyne and ridiculous it was because the storyline and part of it was the scripts which had been decimated they'd been changed out of all recognition from this crime. I write an episode all about the, the there's, there's a very famous uh, annual event where the stable lads have a boxing match oh, at wow. the Grosvenor House Hotel in London or the Dorchester, I can't remember which one it is, in front of all, all the knobs of the racing industry and beats seven shades of shit out of each other uh, for the benefit of everybody else who bets on them. You know, it's, it's a horrible event. <laughs> and I wrote an episode about it and they wanted me to modify it and modify it and modify it and modify it and, and the thing just disintegrated into something not worth writing and I was really unhappy with the way all the scripts turned out. But they made it mm. and they spent a great deal of money on it. They cast people who knew nothing about horses, they cast directors who knew nothing about horses and because I very carefully crafted all the all the racing scenes and all the the, the, all the scenes to do with the animals, I was really dismayed to watch what they did to it. Mm. Uh, and it was just kind of tragic. Uh, and it had terrible reviews. And then I woke up one morning listening to the radio and the equivalent of John Humphreys now, whoever was doing the Today programme, said, now uh, we're going to interview Jerry Glaster, who's the producer, uh, of trainer which hasn't been as successful as Colditz and Howard's <laughs> way and um, 
whoever it was said, so Jerry, what's gone wrong? <laughs> and he said, I blame the writers. No. Uh, yeah. And that was the end of my writing for television career. Uh, Yeah, no, it was sad. It was sad. Because, again, it was something that was potentially a really lovely thing to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, Because, again, it was combining all the things that I like uh, and getting paid for them. Mm. But, hey, you know, that happens. Shit happens. You you continue to write theatre. I did continue to write theatre. And you are back acting. Yeah. The comeback has happened. Well, a little bit. Yeah, no, a little bit. I um, I said to... Uh, <laughs> about four years ago... Was it four years ago? Yeah, about four years ago, I was asked to go and do a play as an actor at um, a, a theatre in Frinton. Frinton on Sea, and because I used to be uh, known in the Eastern region because of my association with Barry St. Edmunds, they thought they were doing an anniversary season, I can't remember what it was, 75 years, 100 years, and they wanted to bookend it with celebrities in plays. And so they got somebody really famous, Richard Wilson, in the last one, and they put me in the first one. And it was the most awful experience of my life because we only, no, not the most awful, but it was a pretty scary experience because it was a long play and I couldn't remember the lines because I was 60-something or 50-something and just didn't didn't have the mental capacity to remember all of those lines and struggled and struggled and struggled and said to my agent, right, never again, never, ever again. Uh, so theatre has been off the table since then, but bizarrely... Uh, film seems to have come along and I've done a couple of little things in films which have been jolly uh, and I've had great fun just remembering what it's like being in front of a camera yeah. but it's very it, it, it's a dilettante thing it's not a real thing Do you know it's nice it's nice to be able to say I've just made a Hollywood movie which yeah. I kind of enjoy uh, well, people play the Kevin Bacon game now. You yeah, can... no, I've got a Kevin Bacon number of one. Yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have, and I think it's out next year. No, this year, I think it's out relatively soon. Yeah, uh, whether I'll still be in it or not, I've no idea. But again, bizarrely, I play a Welshman in it. Oh, no way, I love it. Yeah, Taffy's no. back. No, it's not. He, I don't think he had a name, uh, but it's, mm. it's an extraordinary film called she you what's it called you should have left you should have left (laughs) it stars uh kevin bacon amanda seafried and if you blink you you might miss me (laughs) no i've got a couple of scenes in it with kevin bacon which is nice that's amazing yeah that's fantastic yeah it's very jolly and i had a lovely time doing it and he was very nice to me and i was a little bit starstruck yeah, that was good. I can see on your face you still love this business, don't you? Oh, no, I do. I mean, I, I, there's, a seri- there's, a, there's a serious thing for me, which is about what the arts in their most general form or their widest form does do for society. Mm. And um, without the arts, we'd be much, much poorer. And television is one of the art forms. You've only got to look at some of the brilliant television that's on nowadays. To understand that that the contribution it makes to our society is massive, 
in terms of just reflecting the society we live in, raising some of the issues that we have to deal with, and giving us some relief from the the endless, bloody, terrible, shitty politics that exists in this country, mm. which I'm completely addicted to uh, and appalled by. And so I'll watch Killing Eve just to stop me doing that. Uh, or, you know, sex education, or mum, or any of those things which I just think are all so brilliant. Mm. Uh, and uh, I've always loved watching television, and I think we're now in a completely golden age of it. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's terrific. And I suppose, you know, the bill... Uh, uh, kind of is a bit of the route map that has got us from where it started to where we are now. You know, it was groundbreaking in a certain technical sense. Mm. It was groundbreaking a little bit in uh, the subject it matter, the subject matter it dealt with, not massively, but a bit. Um, and it's all just part of a journey, isn't it? Mm. Look, please come. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Taff. <laughs> Could the bill ever come back? No. <laughs> Nor should anybody want it to. Mm. There's, um... It, it's a product of its time. There'll be other police series, there are other police series, that do the same job. You know, people like looking at the seamy side of, of society. And the bill looked at kind of fairly mundane routine crime. I don't think there was much murder or gun crime or mm. anything in it. Most of it was fairly small-scale stuff. Certainly when I was in it, I don't know what happened later on. But, you know, most of it was chasing petty villains around the East End. Mm. Colin Higgins saying, Would I wet up your leg, gov? <laughs> Which all, I never understood. <laughs> but, but I kind of remember it as a line. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't remember bombs. I don't. I remember chasing somebody around Brent Cross Shopping Centre and ending up in a fountain. <laughs> I remember chasing around London after a madman who jumped off a bridge and swimming across it. It wasn't. Um, well, it certainly wasn't Line of Duty, <laughs> which again is brilliant, but in a completely different way. Uh, no, the other one about the the, the bodyguard. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's not. It's not that. It's not politicians and. And explosions. It was, I think it was fairly mundane routine stuff. Mm, it wasn't when, when we started. Yeah. yeah, there was one episode where Roger got shot. I think. Yeah, but yeah, no, I mean it, and and I, I yeah. So I think there are other series that have taken over from it and have moved things on. Mm. So I think you know, Line of Duty is what Line of Duty is. <laughs> it's, it's, immensely entertaining <laughs> uh, even though I, I don't understand it <laughs> and I don't I sit there uh, my wife loves it yeah. uh, and we sit there and we watched it this last series of it well we've watched all of it but we watched this last series of it and I watched the last episode and I thought right everything's going to be clear and I got to the end of it and I had no idea what had happened. Oh. <laughs> uh, at least you couldn't say that about the bill. You knew what the, the end of the story was. It never, it never left you hanging. Yeah. Presumably because we never worried about having to, to leave cliffhangers so that we could commission another series. I suppose mm. people just thought it was going to go on. 
Yeah. Because it was, although we were never allowed to call it a soap, it was a soap. Mm. It was a drama about it. Was, the first three years were, you know, single act dramas about events, but thereafter it all became about people mm. and that the crime was, although it was still centrally part of what we did, there was more and more personal stuff coming into it. And yeah, no, you're right. I mean, mine was, mine was the first character who had a, a, an outside attachment, mm. which I'd forgotten about, actually. Mm. Bethan Morgan, she was called. The, the real person, the real actor. I think she ended up working with BBC Wales. Oh, wow. Uh, as a producer, I think. Um, well, when you, when you had that lovely crane shot and you walked off into the distance... Could you have imagined that 30 years on your work would still be being enjoyed and discovered and watched all over the world? And no, not really. Not really. Does it please you? It tickles me yeah. that people can look. I mean, what, what always surprises me, this isn't an answer to your question, what always surprises me is that when people still recognise me, it happened the other day. We were we were at a uh, a first night uh, in the West End, which one of our lovely clients was in, and um, we came out of the theatre, and this guy came up to me and went, "Hi, how are you, Colin?" And I thought, because my memory is so bad, I thought it was somebody I'd worked with. And I said, "Oh, really well. How are you?" Not knowing who the hell it was, <laughs> and it turned out he was a Bill fan. He'd either seen me go in or whatever, you know, but he was waiting there with his autograph book, which I had to sign, and I had a, a selfie with him, all of which was fine. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it's 30-something it's years. Is it that long? 1990 I left, so nearly 30 years. Nearly 30 years since I did it. And I must have changed in 30 years. I must have done. Oh, you look fantastic. You're well, really that's very kind. Yeah. But, uh, you know, 30 years have passed. And yeah. that's, that's um, long enough for anybody to get wrinkled and bald. Both of which I am. <laughs> Colin Blumenau, legend. Oh, Thank you. No, not yes, legend. you are. Legend. <laughs> you are. Thank you ever so much for You're doing this. You're very welcome. What a hero. Thank you. You're welcome. My huge thanks to Colin for sharing his memories. You can follow the great man on Twitter at Colin Blumenau. And you can read even more gold dust from Colin in my book, Witness Statements, Making the Bill, Series 1 to 3. There are limited copies available for international shipping from devonfire.bigcartel.com. There's 192 pages of memories from 40 contributors from the cast and crew for every episode, including Wooden Top. Plus, there's 20 previously unpublished photographs as well. Thank you all so much for your support. Now, here's the wonderful Ben Payton to read for closing credits. I'll see you again soon. Thanks for your support. Bye for now. Hello, this is Ben Payton, and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by Alana Dewar, Dan Evans... Sarah Kuyper and Alex Mockler. Executive produced by Glenn Allen, Chris Booth, Daniel Christopher, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, George Fairbrother, Aaron Gordon, Luke Hegarty, Edward Kellett, James Ledane, Stuart and Jen Morris, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, 
Patrick Stratford and Sarah Went. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com and Misty Moon Events. (laughs) 